Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Gavin Rosdow of Bush. We have a wonderful chat. We talk about growing up in London, and we talk about some great records, and what we talk about, what we talk about on all of the uh, episodes of this this podcast, great records and life stories. And Gavin's had a fascinating one, and uh, and we have a deep dive into it. Before we get on to uh, that, their chat, a few thank yous. Um, I'd like to thank Hotel Chocolat, who are the official sponsors of this podcast, uh, and they will be uh, the the official sponsors in 2023 as well. I've had a lovely chat with them. Uh, and every time you meet with them for a little chat, they always bring you a big bag of chocolate as well. So uh, I've got some absolutely delicious chocolate. But aside from that there, chocolate, let me tell you about the alcohol range they do. Because they do uh, vodka, uh, like it's like a solid caramel vodka, uh, and they do uh, a cacao gin. And not only that, they do these gin cocktails and they do these amazing range of, of velvet, velvety cream shots. Oh, my God. Mint chocolate, orange chocolate, espresso martini. Um, oh, and it's just the chocolate one as well. And they are incredible. Um, normally, when I do these episodes face-to-face, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll devour a bottle together. Um, but obviously, with today's guest uh, being based in L.A., um, <clears throat> we couldn't do that. Um, but yeah, so thrilled to say that Hotel Chocolat, um, official sponsors of Off the Beaten Track podcast 2021, 2022, and now 2023. So uh, big thanks to them. I'd like to thank Scroobius Pip, uh, my buddy um, and uh, co-host on the uh, the podcast we done uh, recently. Go check that out. Uh, it's called Tell Me About It. It's uh, a mini-series of long-form interviews between uh, myself and Pip. Uh, I'd recommend you go check that out. There'll be more of that coming soon. Uh, and so not only does Pip um, boss the world of podcasting, he has the Distraction Pieces Network, which this podcast is very proud to be part of. Um, and so go check out the other podcasts on there. Some amazing chats on there um, with amazing podcasts, films to be buried with, with the legend, uh, the Emmy-winning um superstar brett goldstein go check out brett's podcast into a little secret before he was mega famous i was on the podcast so you can come and listen to me chatting films with lovely brett uh, and there's stacks of podcasts on the distraction pieces network go check them out um what i'd also like to say is um if this is your first time listening to off the beaten track hello um listen 
you're late to the party because I've done 450 of these chats, but that's fine. It's a really warm and welcoming place, so so pop your shoes off and come on in. But when you've got to the end of today's chat with Gavin, go and check out the back catalogue because you can hear me talking to, if you like your rock, you can hear me talking to Foo Fighters, you can hear me talking to Tommy Lee, um, you can hear me talking to Enter Shikari, um, uh, you can hear me talking to producers like Butch Vig, him of production of blimey never mind smashing pumpkins sonic youth so go check out my chat with butch that's a great natter uh you can hear me talking to producer dj uh fat boy slim that's great um yeah other rock bands like oh god who have i had on let me have a little think um papa roach blimey there's there's loads um great indie bands like suede the killers uh gosh who else have i had on sleeve of mods idols um the list goes on. Vaccines uh, and James Lavelle. Go, go, have a rummage, and that's that's without mentioning all the actors and the comedians. Because I've had a, a real, I've been spoiled, and uh, and you can go and listen to them all for free wherever you get your podcasts. You can support the podcast as well by getting involved with a Patreon and getting access, and you can watch all the episodes over there. So if you want to watch this chat, head over to patreon.com, off the beat and track, um, or you can just support the podcast via the, the Stripe thing on the uh, Acast app. Uh, you can just go there and say cheers over there. But the, the Patreon, it's a dollar a month. So it's about 20p a week, and you get loads of radio shows. You get access to hundreds of episodes, uh, and you can watch all the videos as well. But essentially, you're just supporting the pod as well. Um, right, I think we're done. Everything else you need to know about this podcast is at the website, offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. But right now, please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast with the delightful Gavin Rosdale. Off the Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. <laughs> Blinding. I, I, my, I lived um, when I was about between twelve and fourteen. Uh, lived with Recording my. Recording in progress. And, yeah. Um, I, I, they, she had a pub in the East London Stepney, uh, uh, Dock Street, called yeah. the Pepper Pot. And I'd go every weekend, and that's where I all, met all the cockneys and all the stingings, the, the lock-ins, you know, the streets of London. I should have said that about some, but uh, yeah, anyway, whatever. So it's nice hearing a bit of a cockney accent. Oh, lovely, mate. It's lovely to have you join us today. That's The voice you can hear is Gavin Rosdale. How are you, mate? I'm good. Really good. Just fresh from the park. Lovely. <laughs> lovely. Walking the dog. I like to start this podcast with track one. Obviously, and track one, I'm going to ask you, uh, Gavin, to tell me, please, the song that you think has the greatest ever intro. Um, um, I think that my favourite, there's lots of intros, you know, there's nothing better than, like, one of your favourite songs, and you know it from that first moment. But uh, this goes to you uh, 2 with um, Where the Streets Have No Name. I mean, that's an absolute cracker, right? That's the blinder. That is, that's, <laughs> that's, that's really like, it just, I, I was lucky enough, I had a side project in, I think, 2005. It's about an institute I did. And so we went out with you two twice, weird enough, because um, we were very uh, economic and sort of just, we just four of us, we just played good and then got off the stage and it was good fun. Um, 
And hearing that every night, it's just, oh, just the hairs on the back of your neck. I love Eno, Danny Lanois, and then, of course, you 2 That was the, them at their finest, you know, pre-disco. I, I think the thing that's interesting about... Um joshua tree is obviously we saw u2's live shows become huge kind of events and visuals and lots of kind of all sorts of phoning salman rushdie live from stage and all that kind of like craziness but if you yeah. strip it back to joshua tree it is essentially bono in a vest and a microphone and three musicians just tearing it up and it doesn't need anything else i think the song you mentioned lamoir um and uh, Eno there. That collaboration of them, perfect, right? Yeah, beautiful. And just, I remember when it came out, because, um, I, I, well, I don't know why, because, no, because, but I remember when it came out and how it's just, I was, you know, in a band trying to get going, trying to write a song that anyone would ever care about. And, um, of course, that was all vinyl days. And, and I just remember being a sort of enemy and sounds, melody maker. They were all up and running. And it was just like a blanket coverage with U2. And it was all about America. And, you know, we've taken out America. You know, all the Bono stuff that he does, which I love him for. Um, and uh, it just was a great time. And I remember being in my kitchen on a little, uh, little radio. Uh, you know, there's lovely transistor radios that back in the day and um, and uh, put it on my fridge and really been thinking, OK, what is the first song? What do they want us to get? It was with or without you. Yeah. And I was going to be like, oh, mate, it's a bit slow. It's not really like, oh, but then they, of course they get you. They seduce you. Yeah. That song. But that that whole record is one of the great records. And you know what's weird about it is that they I'm sort of coming to terms with it more now but they've been such an influence on me you know in in terms of her it's, be, be, it's a bit, my favorite singer he's my favorite singer he's one of my favorite people but he's an incredible singer and um and the words and just the melodies and just they were so important to me and it just sort of became fashionable with anyone who's massive to sort of have a kind of a a a a, a, a backline of backlash a sort of a a, a glimmer a shadow of backlash because, you know I mean because he was just so great but uh yeah that record unbelievable record unbelievable band and that track uh when we're talking intros and i want to ask you this gavin as well when you're writing now because the way that people would have listened to and uh, you know and got hold of bush music when you first started to now is very different and you know we live in a time of of tiktok and all of these things where young people are getting music in a very fast way and attention spans are getting smaller and and this particular track you know uh, where the streets have name there's no vocal for just shy of two minutes and i just wonder like if new bands were to take that to a record company now and go we've got this song would they even entertain listening to something as good as that track is taking nothing away from it like well hang on a minute it's two minutes and nothing essentially is like where's the hook and i just wonder yeah. with all that in mind when you're writing now do them kind of spotify playlists and tiktok and all of these things that are catering for for, for faster and younger attention spans does any of that filter through into your creative process um not mine my guitar player he loves 
we're talking with it with it we're talking with the producer about algorithms and i wanted to shoot myself in the face and <laughs> we'll we shoot him we'll shoot him not my favorite thing so out is all about algorithms which was like uh start with the chorus as soon as you can start with the chorus and uh they took a song off of um off of our record the art survival and i i you know i'm i'm in the studio from in this room i'm in my studio here where it the whole record began from silence and uh then it you know goes through the process it ends up in the big studio and there was a day when um i guess one of my kids had a game or something like that you know and i had to leave the studio so i left them there the two of them together and they had a song from i did here which had this, this called the uh, slow me and this really beautiful intro and i found these voices in my computers this um uh you know program uh, soft synth with with uh, singing and i i made sort of super tribal really long beginning like we're talking about and it had this thing because i didn't have it you know so uh, a long beginning i was thinking you can't have like 10 long beginnings on a record but one is really so i had this great thing it's really bassy just pure bass and then uh, this tribal thing and when i came in the studio the next day these they they had bashed bashed it up and done the low chorus first and completely there's the most sort of production that was done on the record that was nothing to do with me and i was just like slightly horrified i was like but that beginning was amazing like i was really upset about it but in a collaborative process you have to kind of let it be and they were like it's the algorithm the algorithm is for that i was like well, that's disgusting that's, that's terrible you can't it's just not into it the algorithm stuff i thought it was really like it was very un neil young yeah i felt very like i was stamping on neil young's head you is know, that how everything's like, measured how neil young it is <laughs> yeah 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 and that was like stepping on his head when he's ripped up and jumping on so i was like but at the same time it also sounded really good and now that's how it stayed um and now fuck it if the kids have got sports they can just play them and i'm not going to go uh, i'm not going to do that again <laughs> no 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 it's like uh it just i just just trying to be collaborative i don't like it i don't like it and um who knows you know we'll see people oh. have been res- responding to it but it's ironic that you say that because uh they changed my track probably for the better you know what i mean so yeah. i'm not saying i was right i just it, I, I think i was so in love with all the voices i found that I was like, I just impressed myself. This is probably my ego involved because I was like, wow, this is so good. This is me and my bass, but these voices, and it was just brilliant. And then it's in there, but in the mix, it's really quiet. So they weren't. So I was like, I'll do that trick again. It was a really good one. Well, you mentioned kids. I'm going to take you back to when you, you as a kid, Gavin, and for track two, ask you to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Um, I did have an answer, um, which I'm going to refrain from because um, who it was turned out to be a bit of a bit of a bit of a fiddler. So it didn't really. I'm not going to talk about that person. It's a record I got. Somebody somebody got a lot of trouble. Someone I didn't know. It was like you know, one of those situations where it all turned a bit pear shaped. Someone we thought was great turned out to be a bit naughty. Um, So. That goes without saying, because and I was looking at that and I was realizing that I must be in a real baby with that. But the one that really got me and just tripped me up or stopped me in my tracks was Wild as the Wind. 
I basically, I was going out with this girl, Sarah Laurie, and I gave her, um, I gave her, this must, it must be love, madness. I gave her the single because I grew up from, I grew up down the road from a place called Manzi's on the Finchley Road and his record shop. So I used to go and get all my uh, records from there, my pocket money, wherever I got, would go out the road. And so it's very much, real sort of Malcolm Gladwell-esque that the proximity of a record uh, shop right near to me. The closest shop was a record shop, Manzi's. And, uh, How old would you I have been? But this is when I was 12. Oh, getting 12. a girl, it must be love. You were smooth, mate. That's good. 12 years well, old. No, no, no. I tell you, I tell you the story is that I wasn't that smooth because then she hit me with wild as the wind. Oh, like, mate. I was like, <laughs> she's raised the bar. Oh, I'm an idiot. I was like, what? <laughs> she's from Hampstead. She's from Hampstead. And I was from, you know, Swiss Cottage, Kilburn. So I was like, I thought I was a bit of a lad and really kind of, you know, and she just hit me with culture. And first off, I was like, oh, all right, you know, so this is way more kind of like special, like fancy. And, uh, but I must admit that it was just mesmerizing. And it put me into a sort of a slightly state of shock. Like, what was this? And that was just around the time at that age that my aunt who was living with us, she gave me uh, Ziggy Stardust, uh, you know, Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust. And where I grew up, you know, everyone was into like Patrice Russian, uh, you know, Lover's Rock, uh, Soul. Everyone would be doing the Ford Cortinas, doing them up, all the big brothers, you know, always big brothers, the arm robber. Oh, everyone was great. You know, everyone was a postman. It just was like a different world. And so you couldn't really, so I, you'd get a bit of a slap if you was like playing uh, David Bowie, you know, and because they were like, you like all the weird girls at the disco, Maccabi at the youth club. <laughs> I was like the punk girls, the weird girls, and so listening to, to Bowie was a private enterprise. Um, but yeah, it really began with that. And today I got a note from Mike Garson asking me how I'm doing because I did some songs with him last year. He played on a couple of Bush songs, and I, I sang a song for him for Music Hands. I did I did Heroes, a slow version of Heroes. And isn't that brilliant? How life turns out that Incredible. I love and friends with Mike Garson and uh and and so anyway but yeah so wild is the wind because it was like a extraterrestrial quality you know I was like what is this you know it must be love 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 you know that's all lovely sing-along yeah but wild is the wind you know suddenly I was like okay 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 I see you Mr. Five Gears all right I got you. <laughs> the wild is the wind is the one that really made me wake up to something else what do you think it was like kind of oh there's there's levels to this like this is this is it was so deep it just was like it was so deep it's been fun on this on this record because a lot of delving into my past and uh about music i grew up with music was important to me five records i couldn't live without you know uh it's funny because i was, was thinking about ian jury and the blockheads was a big record we wake up and make love those things Kilburn. um Mr. Ricky Dicky, all these great songs. But the emotional one was um, Bowie. Yeah. So growing up, ran sort of Kilburn Way, like happy memories of growing up there? Yeah, really good. I played for the Abbey Road Youth Club, played football. My girlfriend lived on the Quex Road. I lived in the Swiss Cottage. Uh, and so it's West Hampstead, Swiss Cottage, where I lived in Kilburn, where I was like my, my youth club was, and all the Abbey Road lot. So yeah, you know, I mean, 
brilliant stuff just it, amazing i mean like um all the pubs you know the first pub i went to the cock tavern on uh kilburn high road biddy mulligans which is the famous ira pub. so we'd have a real sense of the you know the, the orange day parade you see the protestants uh marching and it's always like wild because that's like you knew there were people that that sort of were in the terrorist organizations there if you went in billy mulligan's that was pure ira you know now i was only a kid going into play space invaders yeah. i literally in the cock tavern was like a movie you'd be uh playing that and it'd be like women fighting like bashing you know like do you know what i mean it's like the old boys drinking the putt in his brilliant. And they never cared that we were in there like 12 years old playing space. When I was 12, I looked about nine. <laughs> it was like someone's kid. So it's brilliant. You know, sort of like, um, it's a, a great, a great energy. I got sort of tired of it because they were a bit, it's all a bit, the Abbey Road was all about, obsessed about the Edgware Road lot. And it's all a bit, they were fighting. I never understood what they were fighting about. And it was all a bit crazy. And it's like playing for the youth club because there's some really good footballers there. And uh, and then so at, at, at a certain age, um, about 16, I suddenly realised that they were all a bit bit nuts. And uh, a bit, I don't know. And then I didn't like where I was. So it was a very, I had a sort of weird card where it's sort of isolated time from 15 to, to 18 uh, was a bit lost because everyone I grew up with, they were, I wasn't really connected with. They were, you know, we were all work painters and decorators together and plasterers and everything like that. And uh, I was doing music, but I'd sort of lost a load of friends because, and then I was at a school I wasn't connected. It was a weird couple of lonely years. And that's when I was really diving. It's not in the making music so much, more like finding solace in music a lot, yeah. especially Bowie, Lou Reed, that kind of thing. Um, which again, I wasn't really allowed to do because it was all um, soul and R and B with all my everyone I grew up with. You know? Well, let's stay in the formative years. And for for track three, I'm going to ask you, Gavin, to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school. Ah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was um, that would have been uh, time at school. I think uh, you know you find out from your uh, friends. So they loved Lou Reed, and that was the Transformer, and that was like Perfect Day. Satellite of Love, um, and those ones are just like great, really fun parties in Richmond with like, because we went here in the, we, the last two years of school doing A-levels, then girls would come and sort of, I remember I was really like this one girl and this other girl, Sabine was just amazing. So I have memories of, of sort of just having fun and that was, um, those Lou Reed, yeah, perfect day. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I remember just feeling a part of that gang. Um, and that's that's what summed it up for me, those 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 songs. Do you enjoy school? Um, it was a bit twisted because I, I, I enjoyed some of it. I enjoyed it like it was a bit weird because, you know, I went to a really good school and it was really smart. And then everyone I was grew up with went to the local school. So I got like a bit slapped around for going to the better school. And then when I was at the better school, I was, thought they were a bunch of cunts. And uh, so I was like stuck in the middle. And... Um, I think that's interesting, and I think that when you, it's so funny when you look back on it. I mean, I don't often think about this sort of. I don't ever, don't do therapy sessions about it. But when I think about those things, or I'm forcing about it, I realise that those seismic kind of shifts or that disconnect between where I'm at, you know, people I grew up with were annoyed at me, or and then people I went to school with were annoyed at me. It's just quite isolated and quite um, made me quite. Uh, you know, like a lone wolf, it felt like, you know, for a couple of years. But then when I when I did my A-levels and then I sort of got into books and reading, then I found, then I suddenly was like, oh, I had the Mac. I was smoking the red Marlboros. I was like, <laughs> you know, drinking coffee with the pretty girls after school, feeling really sick. But it was fun to smoke with them like, around the corner. And I, you know, have copies of Jean-Paul Sartre in my, in my but, you know, everyone was like, it was, it was, it was, it was interesting Everyone's like like peacocks, sort of finding their way how to be. So, uh, so yeah, I did, I did, and I liked it those years because then suddenly I was like um, understanding about books and things like that, and you became a person. You know, when I was a, when you're a kid, you're like Rochdale, uh, you know, whatever. You're just like a, you're not even a person. You're like yeah. a, just barely a name and a number, and and a cast of like thirty kids and always getting thrown out and being a bit lippy and just whatever, you know to in the last couple of years where suddenly you're in a smaller class, they start calling you by your name, like you're a human, read this book, what you think about it, and suddenly you're elevated. Like you go to dinner, you go to someone's house, you know, one of the teachers for dinner, be like, ooh, I had a glass of wine with a science teacher. You know, yeah. like, you know, that kind of I had this amazing guy, actually. He was the head of uh, religious studies, whatever you call him. Uh, was that his type? You know, we did a religious class with him. Willie Booth, and we stayed friends. And he, in fact, married me when I married Gwen. He, really? I got, yeah, I got to marry him. Yeah, it was wow. so sweet. I stayed friends with him, and he would have these lovely dinners at his house with us kids when we were like sort of 16, 17. And we'd go around, and, and, and he had like a apartment from the church. And you'd go around and have this, like, you know, dinner where you'd like have a couple of glasses of like. You know, wine. Can you imagine doing that now? He'd be arrested. I mean, nothing was untoward. It wasn't yeah. like that. It was just really friendly and uh, had a social circle. Go. I remember being going to a couple of things and just thinking. And after I left school, you know, I, I would go back uh, every now and again, go and see him and uh, have those dinners with him. 
It was so kind of him. And so that that those are great memories. And the thing was, I was really lucky because of some, um, I got a, you know, a couple of friends I stayed friendly with. But I was in a real rush to just like get on with my life. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was, what, I was doing it fast, whatever I was doing. And I didn't, I now wish I'd gone to uni because what a, what a luxury. Spent three years having a great time right obviously and also maybe learning something interesting with no pressure now i mean i was like straight into the world i gotta like find my feet i just was weird about it i just had to i was as driven as uh, as i am now it's weird i mean i didn't have that much to do because i was trying to do so and when i began to write songs because i decided i thought well if i'm a singer i don't have to get a job and um don't have to do anything i said so i would sing into a dictaphone songs I've no idea. They must have been terrible. Basically, uh, centered around maybe one note, two notes. I don't know. You know, no melody. Just yeah. like I don't know what it was. I can't. I don't know how the arrogance to think that like. And I, my dad had a hi-fi thing, you know, and you could record on it, you know. And I just got a mic and I'd be singing a song and I'd give it to my mate who I was doing a band with. I'd be like, "Hey, I've written some songs." It's just you know, a bit of a terrible verse for the worst chorus or something. I don't know. But it's like I was just trying to do it. And pushing it in, you know, going, to, you know, it's funny. You mentioned for, drive. <laughs> tell, tell me about was young Gavin a confident fella? No, super insecure, super. Uh, I, I blushed up until I was seventeen. Some asked me the time, I would blush. I just couldn't. I thought I wanted to be cool, but I just was like shy. I didn't speak till I was four. My sister would do the talking for me when I was growing up. So I was just I was sort of laid back. I don't know. I'm kind of like a quiet type A. Like, you know what I mean? I'm just sort of mellow. It's that Jordan Peterson idea of like being a sort of a, a burning furnace, you know, semi-dangerous person who's liable to explode at any point, but they have it just under control. Yeah. So it's not being docile or, you know, I was really into football and I was a really aggressive football player. I loved it. Central midfielders loved it. And, um, so no, I was I just was in my own space, but just I think I was quite shy and quite insecure, you know, because we didn't grow up with a you know, I grew up with my dad from the age of twelve. So and he was a workaholic. So I sort of looked after myself since I was twelve and um, in many ways. And then my sister left when I was fourteen. Four fifteen, you had to go and live in Spain. So sort of self sufficient really. I felt really I am self sufficient and uh so I was all right, it just whatever but all those kind of weird characteristics that we have you know there's imprints of daily i mean think of it now like do you know what i mean i don't we don't let our kids do anything you know what i mean it's like they can barely they can't get up the stairs to go and get a pair of socks or let me get those socks it's, it's ridiculous i'm like god you know there's not very not very so if there's any time where they sort of have rows with each other and stuff like that, I sort of think it's good for them and just a little bit of a little bit of edge and like deal with stuff. Got any issues? Done this to me? Well, figure it out. You know, yeah, definitely. It's a bit soft. A bit soft. Absolutely. A bit soft. My kids are in the sports at school. Terrible sports team. Where they get destroyed. And everyone's like, you know, participation trophies. I'm like, fucking, they lost. <laughs> <laughs> Which part of losing is good? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you for track four, Gavin. The first song you remember buying from a record store? Um, well, the first, it's like I was trying to, I, I did read that question. I was like, from Man's is being up the road, the, the most, the biggest, I mean, 
I, I bought loads of singles. I, I was lucky enough to buy all the punk singles because it was as perfect time for me. When, when punk was happening, I was 12, uh, you know, 13 years old. Um, so I was lucky enough to get all the singles. I mean, I have like, I even have like the, the, the police can't stand losing you the cover where he's, uh, I don't know if you remember it, where he's on one, an ice, it? Block, yeah. ice block with a heater. Yeah. Right there, and I had that right. Uh, so all those things I had, like Carl Sand, the Revilla, Zillows, um, I, I, the Sex Pistols. I remember playing the Sex Pistols, "God Save the Queen," and just it being a bit abrasive on my head. I was like, I, I, I know I'm meant to like this. I love everything about this revolution. This is a bit like this is doing me in a bit. And then when I this one, I got pretty vacant. I was like, now this, I like yeah. pretty vacant. I like pretty vacant. Yeah, I like pretty bacon because it's it's pop. So see, I've always had that melody sensibility. Yeah. But um, so Sex Pistols. I mean, I, I, it sounds too ridiculous saying "God Save the Queen," but that was right up there with with the singles I was buying, and it was the that's what started off. And then when I'd go up there, the guys in the record shop would be, "Look, this is cool, but like this is the Doors." So I had a Doors spell. They they introduced me to loads of different things. Again, super Malcolm Gladwell, you know, like. Yeah. Why were they giving that? You know, it was, it was that was a, such a good education between my aunt and the guys at the record shop. And it's so sad because I've spoken about this for years. I've been a musician thirty years now. Um, I never knew their names to thank them. You know, because I wonder where they are. You know, yeah. because they they had a, a, a interesting uh, effect on my life. So any of those punk singles that uh, White Man and Hammersmith Palais, uh, uh, Bob Marley, um, Punky Reggae Party on the back, and jamming yeah with with no g yeah just jam and uh so those singles were the records i would buy and then the albums my aunt would get me they were obviously a bit uh, out of my pocket money range um and then i'd fall in love with bands from the singles and uh i still have them at my dad's oh wonderful you mentioned your dad's work ethic um and you know he said he was like a workaholic and so I'm interested in, in what you said about drive as well, because you've chosen, Gavin, you know, one of the most insanely competitive industries to try and excel in, and you've excelled beyond, you know, anybody's wildest dreams to achieve what you've achieved in music. Like, tell me a little bit about your relationship with drive and work. Um, my friends always said that I'm a Calvinist, so I don't know if that's right... <laughs> the right thing uh right phrasing i mean we used to be when i when i lived in uh, uh when i was in london was great um, writing all these songs for the first bush record you know i lived in a in a flat with uh my best mate in the front room and uh my best mate in the hallway and me in the bedroom with my girlfriend at the time when she was there um so it's like three four five people living there we stayed up all night every night we had a real laugh but i'd always uh, I had two things that were weird about me. I couldn't create. We like we used to have the graffiti everywhere in the flat, and but we had only an underlay carpet. But I would only like to work. I'd have to. I'd have to clean it all. And I think it was an early feng shui. It was like it, it's some kind of feng shui thing. I couldn't deal with it. It was like dusty and filthy. So I'd, I'd like have to like. Um, make it not dusty and clean it up and get the underlay all nice so the blue underlay just perfect and um, everything clean and then I would um, just sit and play my uh, drum machine 
and um, and simply so. And every day I would do something. I tell you what it is is because when I first thought I was going to be in a band, I was joining a band um, with my friend Sasha Putnam, my best friend. Is his father's David Putnam, the um, a film producer, you know, Labour peer, whatever. And I wrote him a letter a couple of years ago about this because what happened is that when we were deciding we were going to be in a band and we'd be out every night, they'd come in and get us up in the morning where I'd stay over his house in the, uh, wherever his, his house was. Um, and his dad sat us down one day and he said, look, it's all very well and good. You guys want to be in a band, but remember that Tim Pan Alley is nine to five, five days a week. So if you consider yourselves uh, anything, you know, you want to make something of your lives, you, uh, my dad was never big on advice. My dad was very like, let me just live, very sweet, very busy, but very sweet and kind. But he never had like these pearls of wisdom about life whatsoever. And he was a, you know, he was a smart man. My friend's dad, um, David Putney said, so if you're going to be a songwriters, that's what you got to do or else you're not doing it. And it really struck home. It just hit me. And it gave me something to follow and uh, and be inspired by, really. And uh, maybe I was thirsty for that kind of advice. And I wrote him a letter a little while ago, a few years ago, just saying that he needed to understand the impact he had on my life from that statement and for that talking to. You know, I was so hungry for information and for sort of leadership that, or, you know, that he, uh, yeah. So... It just came from that, and I just, I, I, I don't have it. If I don't do anything, it doesn't happen. If I don't write songs, we don't go on tour. It's just sort of, it's just been part of it. Yeah. And I like it. I sort of, I like the responsibility, and it, it gives you a bit of structure. And sometimes when I look to other people who've had jobs, oh, I've got to go to work, I've got to do this. Sometimes I think it might be easier when you have a boss and a workload because you have to, okay, do A, B, and C. With me, it's sort of infinite. It's yeah. like, much better if I write 100 songs, really, because then there's a better chance that I don't write. I write 20 for a record, 25. But it's a better chance. I just give myself a fairer shot in it. So I think... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. That's what it is that um, there's an abyss yeah. one side. And there's all this land of plenty and fun and indulgence here. And I, and I, I know how I got there. And in, in fact, part of me in my own weird, twisted way, I've really buckled down these last few years. And when I made uh, the Black and White Rainbows record after I got divorced, I sort of made it intrinsically of how I felt. And it's very intuitive. 
and it was cool but I, it, it and some some songs that I really like but it didn't really resonate my band didn't want to play much of it live and it was a real wake-up call to like fuck it's not there's no easy ride I can't like coast on this yeah, yeah and if yeah. I you know if I'm lucky enough to be given this opportunity again to make records I've got um really be I gotta like focus more so for after that record and um I decided to really buckle down, make it super heavy. And I did The Kingdom. And I think that was really focused writing. And then The Kingdom is so good. I was like, okay, you've got up the ante. So just like, don't let go. Like the next one, this one, it's like I sort of made it difficult for myself because if you, if you keep the quality going, you know, you've got to keep it going. I just, I hear music, right, that passes me by. I'll play someone's record. And there's two types of records for me one where it, it pulls you in wild as a wind pulled me in i don't know why it just pulled me in and then you might hear another song and it just doesn't pull you in and i'm just so scared of that because as soon as i stop having any magnetism in the records my life is over and i'm just falling backwards and, and just no nah. so i just i think that drive comes from just loving uh, my job so much and loving when I get it right it's, it's so great doing all these interviews and people loving the record and it's, it, it, it just makes me feel good there's a sense of uh, uh, achievement and purpose and um, it makes sense of my life without being too uh, esoteric about it you know it gives meaning to do something well and uh, I think that Japanese artisan principle of life is something that I really gravitate towards. So weirdly, I don't know why I chose fucking rock music. You know, I could have, a, I could have tried to be a filmmaker. Yeah. I could have been a novelist. I could have done a, been a painter, you know, tried, you know. Um, and yet the music was what, what got me. In. And, uh, and now when it, I can't, apparently I can't sing without a guitar. I generally have to have a guitar or else people are like, that's not bad. What about guitars? You know? So, I'm kind of chained to it. So now I go, fuck it. Might as well just try and, try and do it well because one day, you know, I'll be dead. <laughs> Either physically or musically. You know what I mean? So it's like, might as well do it, do it right and do it modern and do it in, in, I feel so powerful, you know, on these tours was for out with Alice in Chains, Breaking Bad. I know that when we play, the band is like fierce. Yeah. I don't, you know, I know I, I can't get on Radio 1 or Radio 2. You know, I can't, loads of barriers to me. No one's going to give me a Grammy. No one's going to, I'm not going to play a stadium. There's limitations completely on my career. But um, I can still have a responsibility to myself and to people who believed in me to do something great and just keep pushing yourself. So, yeah, inspiration is what I think the long, quicker answer. <laughs> We're going clubbing now, Gavin. Tell me the song that soundtracked them years. Clubbing. Um, I mean, the one that... It's funny, because when, when I first started really clubbing and going out, I loved it, loved the nightlife and how me and the boys, we, we used to go out every night. I mean, like, when you say, it's just funny now. I'm like, now I'm at the point in my life where I want to be invited to things that I don't want to go to, but I just want to be in no one invited to. <laughs> and then I'll find a reason to not go and move along with it. You know, I just got invited to Randy Gerber's uh, Halloween party. I feel good about that. I love him. I love Casamigos. I'm probably not going to go, but I feel way better that he invited me. Uh, so when I first started 
going out for real and having room. It was like that was almost that was the acid house. Oh, wonderful. And, um, so Shoom and places like that. And just so that was just like and I wasn't really I wasn't into acid house music. I, I was not that kid, you know, more like Happy Mondays. But so Born Slippy oh, uh, is the one it's sort of that's the one that would kind of sums it all up because it has the emotion, it has the nightlife, it has the, the um, you know, it's all the train spotting time, you know, the kind of, uh, you know, the indulgence. I grew up in London, you know what I mean? I don't know where you grew up, but it's like, it was pretty free living and yeah. sort of pretty reckless. And it was uh, just, we used to say, what would Jim do? Jim Morrison, everything. When we, every night, you know, like five or six guys would come around every night and be like, okay, this is what we've got tonight's fun. You, I'm not doing all that. What? Okay, committee. What would Jim do? Right, bosh, <laughs> out we go. Boys, what would Jim do? That was the that was my youth. What would Jim do? So now, if my kids were that reckless, I'd be horrified. No, you know, like fucking hell, gauging your uh, whole decisions on <laughs> fucking Neil Young and Jim Morrison. It's impressive yeah. you're sitting here today, mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is. It's a miracle. So. That's a its own kind of maze, but it, it gave great inspiration. You know, Tom Waits said, "The way you do anything is the way you do everything." So yeah. it just, it just, it just created something uh, for me—a uh, a, a state of mind. So if Jim would do it, you know, we did it. Okay, I'm going to take you back home for mm -hmm. for track six. Tell me a track, please, Gavin, from your home county. When we said home county, I'm like, so where is, where is Swiss Cottage on the county? Like, is that Bucks? Uh, for, for, uh, well, you like, got you got London, so you're spoiled. Yeah. All right. Well, I thought I thought the closest to me, uh, someone I love uh, a lot, and of course, as a fan, I never met her. But great sadness at the, you know, at the waste. In fact, what we're talking about, living a reckless life like Jim. There was to me there's always two sides and i grew up with it with two sides of people that were sort of nightlife fun the ones that were in it for the fun that was me and my lot and then the, what was slightly more sinister side the darker side of uh, uh that people you know died from overdoses you know there's a two separate people that me i was too ambitious i just want to have fun and then i'd go home wasted and like um want to write from it and learn from it and like well you know be inspired by it so Amy Winehouse and back back in in black because what a loss you know a silly drug loss you know just it, when I say silly meaning we'd all wish she was uh, alive and well and just you take a wrong path and one wrong path leads to the next wrong path and you then you you're sort of screwed and it's so sad to lose her to to drugs and um She's, I, I live in Primrose Hill and I grew up in Swiss Cottage, so that's Camden. So when he, I was like, county, I was like, oh, well, that's the closest. I yeah. took county as closest. Yeah. So Amy Winehouse. Uh, I mean, that, that, <clears throat> that, that last record she done, you know, obviously like, mm. the record, I suppose, like it's, it's faultless. I think it's as, mm. as, as close to perfect as a, as a uh, pop record can get. I it's think. almost as perfect as Porter's Head. It's like Porter's Head was always seen quite rightly. They make perfect records. Yeah. And Amy Winehouse made a perfect record. Um, and I won before, was it the Frank? Was yeah. that, I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, jazzy, just full of potential. And like, yeah. wow. 
And, you know, fair play to, to Mark Ronson, you Incredible. know, who I just weirdly met recently, randomly in Switzerland. I oh, never yeah. met him. He's at a festival in Switzerland because, was it? His mum is married to someone in Foreigner. That's right, yeah. <clears throat> uh, you knew that? I yeah. no one told me that. So yeah. I was like, what's he doing here? When I met his, um, when I met, so I met, his, I met Mark and his mum on the same day. And um, he makes fantastic records, uh, undoubtedly. Uh, and that he's really, really good. And uh, that was just such a, and just the whole thing of getting the, was it, the Hepcats, you know, getting the, the band to play with her, just flawless. So, so, yeah. you know, sorely missed, so missed. Just like, nah, just like that. I always think of like life is so fragile and the balance of it, you know, and like, you know, had she done anything different that day, you know, if someone popped around to see her. I always think when people, you know, they, they meet, you know, they, 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 that, that those tragedies happen, that it's by the slim margins of someone, not her, not going around and see her, you know, her mum's birthday could have been yeah, that yeah, day. Yeah. Just, you know, she couldn't get the cab to go and get, you know, any slight change. And it just, it's like, it's funny because people always talk about like, how old are you? And people talk about how old they are. But the truth of it, I was thought my whole life this, and it's a bit morbid, so I'm sorry about this, is that you sort of work backwards. Everyone has their time on them. Everybody's, it's like predestined. And it's like, how old you are is really, you should be like, how much, oh, how much time have you got left? Yeah. You know, that's what it is. That's how old someone is, how much time they have left. Um, so a really untimely death. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. It's the last track. Uh, and I'm going to ask you to be uh, a tastemaker or as the kids call it, influencer. Uh, tell me oh. a song that you think many people. Take my top off. Let's take my top off. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a song that you think many people may not know uh, that you'd like them to hear, Gavin. Oh, that's what the question. Okay, 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 okay. Of, of pan of people they haven't heard. Okay. Um, well, that would have to be sort of someone unknown that is undiscovered. Ooh, that makes it tricky because I misunderstood the question. No, no, no. It hasn't got to be misunderstood. Uh, it hasn't got to be um, somebody someone hasn't heard of. It's, if you've got something that you think's really great that you want people to go and check out, then uh, then shout about it. Yeah. Well, uh, the Mars Volta. Oh, the Mar wonderful. Mar the Mars Volta, this new record. You know, when they left out the drive-in um, and they began Mars Volta, it was a really wild um, as you know, wild, semi-abrasive, wild band, band, and, and the lyrics I just don't, I can't. It's just otherworldly. The guys, uh, Cedric, it's just an uh, 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 unbelievable band. I think Cedric is the singer, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, um, just another another place. I don't know where how he writes like that. And so when the new record came out ten years later, I was really happy to hear it, and um, it's actually the most relaxing. There's some Brazilian, Sun Rob, Mellow. This is a great record. And so um, I would think people should run and, and hear that. And it plays all in and of itself. It's very consistent. You can leave it on. And it just creates a beautiful mood in your house. Great shout. Mars Volta can't ever say enough good things about them. Um, we're talking new records. What are you up to? Well, I just had a... I'm in the middle of the new The Art of Survival came out, so I'm just doing a lot of promo. I also 
think about some uh, what the next moves are. So I always like to try and sneak in and, and um, try and write a couple of songs so that you look really well prepared when, when it comes around saying, have you got any more songs? And I, I do, you know, because um, so I'm trying to, I'm doing a little bit of music promo and um, I'm trying to work on this. People know about it now, so I've got to just talk about it, but it's a nightmare. Um, my, I have an interview show that I'm working on called Eat with Gavin Rossdale that I'm trying to finally get going. It's taken a couple of years, takes a long time in TV. And I've resurrected uh, my clothing line, Sea of Sound. I don't really know why. I'm a maniac. And so <laughs> trying to get this, I, I sort of keep, oh, I don't know why I did that. But so basically between the clothing line and the TV show, I started them both three years ago and then stopped them because it was like the, the money drained the clothing. I was looking for a partner and I thought, well, I do want to get a TV show that I was busy making records. And now I'm, I've got this little bit of time to think about those things uh, because they are good things where I don't have to leave home. I always leave my boys to work. And whilst I love, uh, you know, mate, I love the, uh, I miss the applause. You know, I like going out, 15,000 people going nuts and, it's, it is an ego thing, but it's also a spirit thing. It's just being in the in the eye of the storm that, that we create as the four of us together and just um, making people lose their minds and just bringing extreme joy and release to people. It's such a great job. It's so much fun. It's really fun. It's just a drag. It's the other 23 hours and then like waking up in Ohio, like, oh, my. God, kill me! You know, for some terrible casino where you just as like smells of death and hopelessness, and just like you know, I don't like that stuff. It's really hard, you know. And I get, oh, I feel a bit, you know, fancy pants. So I'm gonna like eat a tin of tuna, a bottle of tuna, you know, because I can't get the food. As I don't want the food, just all that stuff. It's just a bit. I get a bit. um it's a lot sometimes, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like sometimes you can find yourself in places where you can't eat. Everything's, you know, basically I don't like playing casinos. Some of them, the, it's funny because the casinos take care of you and so they help tours. They just give you a nice, you know, they pay well and so there's a good bump. You know, we have a lot of people. Everyone needs, you know, to be well paid and all that sort of stuff. But sometimes they don't, the carpets, people are shuffling and the slot machines, it just, it's just, there's a grimness to it. I'm like, please, no casinos. The fancy casinos are fun, but the, the, the peripheral casinos, oh, it's yeah. just really tricky. It's like, I feel this way. That's why, you know, it's an old adage that's been well-worn yeah. of the idea that you sing for free, but you you spend the day is where you get paid. You get paid for the day. You know, you get paid for the, the brick omelette. Gavin, I've had an absolutely <laughs> delightful time talking records with you, mate. It's been an absolute <laughs> joy. And thank you so much. If people want to keep up to speed with you, mate, on um, any upcoming gigs and the clothing range and the TV show, where's the best place to to follow uh, all uh, things? At Gavin Rostell, and I and I think I put on a good page, and I've got the global equivalent of no one on there. It's very small; it's like three hundred thousand or something. I'm like, that's the global equivalent of no one. Where is everyone? <laughs> <laughs> so, Anyone want to fancy a visit on there? Um, but that, that's where I, and I actually have a little page for my clothing line, and which I'm going to resurrect the page. But it's a, it's a now relaunch, actually, Sea of Sound. Um, and uh, that's it. I mean, look, I'm not doing a solo record. 
it's a bit annoying when bands people do certain things no one wants them to be solo artists nobody wants that especially rock band don't do that but a bit of a clothing line it's nice and um a bit of a chat show could be fun Bit of a, you know, bit of a chat show. Oh, wonderful. Best of luck with it all, mate. Like I say, all it's right. been an absolute joy. Have a lovely thanks, day. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Lars, right, Gavin. Thanks, Gavin. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers. Gavin Rosdale, ladies and gentlemen. Delightful. That was such a great chat. Um, we was up against it time-wise. Um, as, as Gavin mentioned, he's doing lots of promo at the moment. So, you know, you only get sort of limited time with these people. And, uh, and I was thankful that I got 45 minutes in but I could tell he's a good talker right and there was lots of things that I didn't get time to ask um that I'd love to have had a sort of deeper dive on a few things and a few periods of 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 music but um time was against us so you never know I'll try and get Gavin back on at some point and uh and, and and dig a little deeper with some of the other questions that um I didn't get to to, to natter to because we ran out of time but yeah um wonderful chat um what a top lad and uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed it. As mentioned at the beginning, um, go check out the back catalogue now because there's hundreds and hundreds of episodes that you can go and listen to for free of all your favourite rock stars, pop stars, actors, musicians, producers and DJs. Go get stuck right in now at offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com or just get it wherever you get your podcasts. We're on all the social media platforms. Well, I say all of them. We're not on TikTok because... Uh, well, I'm 49. I've got no place over there. Um, but yeah, you can uh, follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. So give us a like, love, share, retweet and all of that. And in the meantime, be nice to each other and uh, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.